What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. We had a crazy, crazy weekend. We had El Tráfico, which happened on Saturday. Obviously, both LA teams went at it. Insane game. Obviously, lives up to the hype. These goals, you could always guarantee. And if I was a betting man, you could always guarantee there's going to be like, what you want to say, more than three goals in this game. And every time they face it, it's like goal after goal after goal. And like they never disappoint. And El Tráfico always delivers. And here to help me talk about all that, we got Justin Ruderman. Justin, how you doing? Doing well, man. Always fun for an El Tráfico. And as you say, you know, we're used to, especially overseas, derbies are 1-0 games. They're tight, defensive uh, type of games. But not in El Tráfico. It never is. It's always a very, very high-scoring game. And that is what the fans want. It's very entertaining. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, this game was a lot of back and forth. But I, what I would say, um, the the lead up to this game, it wasn't as um, I know you, you and I were talking about a couple of the people in the press box were talking about like the lead up to the game. It wasn't as anticipated as other El Trafico games, you know, and I kind of I think some of us talked about it was like, um, obviously, there's not a rival. You don't have to maybe that Chicharito Vela, you know, the, the Ricky Pooch versus, uh, you know, Chiellini kind of like back and forth kind of died out um and maybe the messy effect too maybe everybody's on tension to obviously on messy um but what, what were your thoughts on on the lead because i didn't feel like the hype was as big as other tropicals yeah and it was interesting because you know theoretically it should have been one of the most hyped ones right playoffs on the line for both teams seating on the line for both teams a really important game um in terms of that playoff race especially for galaxy who are you know we'll get to probably out of the race now but it, it is it's weird that we kind of felt like there wasn't that hype and i think you know you bring up messi the the effect of you know we just had messi at LAFC, at, at bmo stadium and that was kind of the hype for the month or whatever you want to you want to phrase it that way. I think as well, the point you bring up about Chicharito is important because imagine if Chicharito versus Vela at BMO Stadium on Mexican Independence Day, that would have been quite the show. Um, but obviously Chicharito's injured. So that that, that storyline was not there to be had. Um, and so, yeah, it did feel like maybe there wasn't quite the same anticipation, but it didn't end up mattering on the pitch, did it? <laughs> No, no, I didn't, obviously, no. But yeah, I think I thought that was just like one of one of the interesting things. But yeah, you mentioned obviously Chicharito versus Vela. If that was a thing, obviously on Mexican Independence Day. That is I did see a lot of Mexican flags, a lot of Mexican theme, um, you know, jerseys and everything right before the game, which was cool. And obviously LAFC had a fan, the fan fest right before the game. So all that going in and just, you know, saw a bunch of Galaxy fans too. I'm going at it and you know it's like it's always it's always good like these games are always like once you're there and you see the atmosphere and the little banter back and forth obviously it's always going to be on social media it's always going to be on twitter um you know but it, it's good it, it was good i i think also too like the game the first half was back and forth a lot a lot of back and forth obviously you had lafc with the what the opening goal with buanga in the 23rd minute and then right after that billy sharp scored in the 25th minute and then you know ryan's Holland's head right before half uh, back and forth. What did you take of that first half in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think LEFC were the dominant team throughout, but I think in that first half, it was, as you say, a little bit more back and forth. Um, Galaxy were, were maybe able to find some chances that they weren't able to find in the second half, which made it a, a much more entertaining game, I feel like. Um, you know, it felt like at halftime that it was still up in the air, despite LEFC being the better side throughout the game, right? Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, everything that you would want really 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, and then I love the back and forth, you know, because you know it was just like the nail biting, and on, and then to start the second half, Maya Yoshida, uh, trouble pronouncing his name, he tied it at the 59th minute, and then you felt it was two two. It was it was two two, you know, and then. Another then a mistake. It was a mistake by the Galaxy. I, I forgot. It was a Mavinga who passed it to Boanga. Um, the Galaxy shoot themselves in the foot because I felt like you know at two two it's anyone's game, but when you commit an error like that and you give the ball to Boanga on a breakaway goal, I think that's when the, pretty much the game was over. You know three three two. Even though it was pretty close, even though they had sub sub coming in, we've seen throughout throughout the year Galaxy shooting themselves in the foot, and obviously this 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 one hurt them as well. Yeah, and I'm sure LAFC will have that same um, mentality on the goals that they gave up, right? A little bit fluky, especially that first one where it's just a mentality thing of what you're not switched on right after the goal. Uh, and and Galaxy was, Billy Sharp was switched on, right? Uh, and and that's the difference. Steve Shrundelow, I think, said after the game that he believes that was the first time that's happened under his reign at, at LAFC. So he's not going to overreact, but he's obviously very you know unhappy with that type of switching off because that can't happen in any game, much less a, a Derby El Trafico. Um, and so there were, yeah, a couple goals from each side, probably that, that they wouldn't have liked to concede, but that's how the game goes. You got to be able to capitalize on those chances, whether it be your own creation or your opponent's mistakes. Yeah. What would you think of the front three, uh, for LAFC? Uh, cause obviously we had, we had a different front three. Mario didn't get the start. Um, Christian got the start. And what, what'd you think about that? Yeah, well, this, I, I mean, going into the LAFC formation, because I think it's it's all part of one piece, right? For me, the the starting of Kike, the benching of Mario, uh, Vela in the nine, it's all a result of the change in formation that LAFC implemented and that Steve Shrundelow implemented, because, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about how we haven't quite seen those tactical adjustments from Steve that have uh, really affected games and won games for LAFC, won them points that we saw a ton last year and early in this season. 
but this felt like reminiscent of that a return to the Steve Shalandolo tactician with players that were doing exactly what they were supposed to um you know he shifted back into that double pivot with Ilya Sanchez and Kellen Acosta in midfield which I don't think that we have seen since early early on this season um but it used to it worked very well early this season so I was you know surprised that we haven't seen it very much what that allowed is for um a 4-4-2 defensive shape while being solid in possession. So in possession, there's always those two defensive midfielders there preventing Puj and Delgado from speeding up the game on the counterattack, right? But we know that Galaxy really like to possess the ball, play through you. So that means that the defensive shape is probably going to be the most important, which normally a 4-3-3 for LAFC, but not in this game. Instead, they dropped both wingers back into a 4-4-2, pushing Mateus Bogush, that's pure 10 in a double pivot, right? Pure pure 10, pushing him next to Vela as a front two. And, and that worked really, really well, not only for uh, preventing Galaxy from playing through because it's just congested when you have eight men behind the ball constantly for LAFC, right? Puj played 90 minutes, 70 completed passes, not a single chance created for the entire game. And that is because of the, the changes that LAFC made here. But on the counterattack for LAFC, it also did it also benefited right it wasn't just the defensive structure because it means that Vela's coming underneath as a false nine to pick up the ball he's dropping in a similar way that Bogush is going to do um, but Vela's obviously a little bit better and, and a little bit higher so when he comes drop picks up the ball he can then turn and attack opponents in a way that Mario Gonzalez wouldn't be able to do further than that you now have Kike Oliveira and Denny Buonga two very very pacey wingers overlapping them mm -hmm. along with the fullbacks Diego Palacios and Ryan Hollingshead who both also had very important uh, goal contributions in the match so yeah go ahead no I was gonna say yeah I, I like I like what I saw from Kike and, and 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 how explosive he was and everything and you needed a different look we talked about it last week from LAFC Mario Gonzalez have uh, it's gonna take him time but it was you needed someone else there up in the front three and you, and you saw the explosion on the wings and then the counter was where uh, Galaxy really suffered that's, I think, most of I think the last couple of goals uh, or the last final, the final goal is from a counterattack. And you saw how easy Galaxy were able to get bro broken down on those counterattacks because we know how, uh, how, how weak their defense is, you know. And, and for me, the, the strongest thing about the Galaxy is if they can control the ball, they can control the possession and everything like that. Right? We see, we've seen what Ricky Pooch can do at times. But if you can limit them from from holding that, and then you have the counterattacks, you have the speed, obviously with Buanga and Vela and uh, Christian Oliveira, sometimes Vela, right? Um, but yeah, that that to your point, that was really good, and it, I think it maximized them to be able to get on those counterattacks, get the ball, and bam, and go. And I think with Mario Gonzalez, sometimes there he, he's not he's not as quick as the other guys, and I think that really opened up the game. And I, and I think it's also like those adjustments you're gonna have to do for. for Per team, right? Maybe maybe it switches up when you face St. Louis. Maybe it switches up when LSC go go to Philadelphia. So those those are a couple of different things, and it was it was a good a tactic by Stuchar on the on that end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's it's something you know we didn't see at the Rose Bowl. Um, and it really changed the game. Uh, I think you can add Maxime Cropot to this list. His his ball playing ability out of the back was part of the reason I believe he probably got the start as well. Um. So just a lot, a lot of different pieces going in. Add Timothy Tillman. This is why he wasn't in the starting lineup because he didn't necessarily fit that double pivot and doesn't fit that 10. He is the most probably pure number eight in, in the LAFC lineup. So all of these uh, personnel decisions fit into the tactical decisions from, Steam, from Steve Sharondalo, excuse me, and they all went, in my opinion, perfectly on the night. 
Yeah, no, it was good. And, and we talked about it last time that we needed to see Maxine Kerpo. We weren't sure if Steve Schoenler was going to do it. He did. He went with that, even though he did get scored on two times. So it's a traffic all things are going to happen. Um, but I think, yeah, you, you, it, now it's Maxine's proposed uh, job for the rest of the year, in my opinion, unless something crazy, crazy happens um, moving forward. I do want to talk a little bit more uh, about Ricky, because even though we did mention about the, the great job LAFC did, Ricky, Ricky um, is one of the is one of the best uh, midfielders uh, in the league. And what he's done, and I was very, very surprised that he wasn't able to open up the game a little bit more. He was stuck a couple, a couple of times, and the creativeness of what we've seen at, from Ricky at times hasn't been able. We weren't, we didn't really see it this game, and I think I was really, I was really confused why he wasn't open, able to open up. Maybe it was the the limit play with 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 the Galaxy. You know, obviously Tyler Board has always had a, a couple big chances and i felt like anytime tyler board had a had a couple opportunities he would be able to to come in and do all this but like two guys that have historically broken down lafc and scored on them uh tyler board and ricky pooch didn't do as much as i expected them to do this game maybe it was a tougher game what, what were your thoughts uh, on ricky and tyler board well yeah ricky i think uh was was a result of the lafc system that we were just talking about um Boyd I think had a couple chances that maybe he didn't quite capitalize in the way that he did uh in in previous El Traficos I mean a, a couple of his goals were just real incredible stunners bangers from long distance that you know were just incredible class from Tyler Boyd and that's not going to happen every single game even if, even if you get those chances from 20 yards out to shoot um you're not always going to put them in the top corner so <clears throat> excuse me I think uh yeah, I think he maybe had a couple chances, probably fewer th than he did previously due to the success of LAFC in this match. Um, but but yeah, it, you can't expect him to score bangers every time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Like every, even the, but you and I were talking about like the first couple of times he touched the ball. We're like, this probably is a goal. This may be a goal. Like mm -hmm. that's what you and I were talking about because he was I think he was just outside the 18. We're like, oh. I think he had kind of like a breakaway of the ball went a little further. I don't, I don't recall exactly what happened. And I looked at you and you were like, this is probably a galaxy goal. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's just like the expectation that we have of him, right? And it, unfortunately, it just didn't go didn't go his way. Um, but yeah, there was, there was an opportunity, especially in that first half for him. All right, let, let's talk a little bit about the galaxy um, moving forward because they sit in 13th place. They didn't obviously, they didn't get, they didn't get any points. And, I, and we got to look at their schedule coming up because if they're going to make it, which is going to be tough. They got Minnesota, uh, I believe, at home this Wednesday. Then you go to they go to, you, they go to Austin. They go to Austin FC, and then they come back at home versus Portland, Seattle, Minnesota, RSL, and then FC Dallas. So they got seven games um, to see if they can make it in the playoffs. What are your thoughts, obviously, obviously after what we just saw from the Galaxy uh, this Saturday? Yeah, I think it's it's a long, long shot at this point. I think it's difficult for them to get in it. I think they needed at least a point, if not three, from this match in order to to stay in that race. But I will say it probably benefits them that schedule that you just read off because every single one of those teams is a Western Conference team, and uh, a few of them uh, are around that bottom, right? Austin, Dallas, Portland are all in that uh, race with Galaxy for those final couple spots. So if Galaxy are able to beat those teams, that could definitely uh, help them out, which is why, as we know in MLS, it, there's always a chance. Theoretically, there's always a chance. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely got harder for them after that El Trafico loss. Yeah, they have a possibility to say they went out, they, they would get 51 points, which I think they would put them in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Uh, seven games. Um, and you mentioned all, yeah, all these, even Minnesota, who's an eight seed, you know, RSL's in six seed. 
um, yeah, a lot, a lot of chances, opportunities for them to pick up points and obviously keep the other teams um, at bay where they're at. So we'll see. I, I'm still like, I feel like it's the same story almost every year. Oh, I got something in my eye. Excuse me. I feel like it's the same story every year with the, with the Galaxy with just different things. But I think we we talked about it last year. Let's let's talk about the moves that they made, right? With Fagundes, with Barrios, with Billy Sharp. The way they did it this year with the sanctions and all those different things. Let's talk a little bit more about that because that's been like a thing that they where they've stood out and how they've been able to do it. And you know, and I think next year is going to be their year to make a deeper run. Um, be a real threat because you know everything happened this season with Chris Klein and all those different things. But if you're able to do what they did this year with the, with the midseason pickups and with how difficult it is to navigate, obviously you can only imagine what they could potentially do next year. Yeah, and look, I'm not an expert on the Galaxy front office, but what I will say is that I personally attribute all of this to Will Koontz. Um, the former, you know, second in command at LAFC went over to Galaxy, and I think he's making all these decisions um, with Chris Klein gone. Uh, probably Vanny has something to do with it, but this to me is, I, I put out a tweet the, uh, a little bit ago on my Upper 90 account saying, Will Koontz to me is the best signing of the MLS season outside of Miami because he, he may not be a player, but the moves that he was able to produce Maya Yoshida on a free, Billy Sharp on a free, Diego Fagundes for Memo Rodriguez plus 300K. That's an incredible deal. Um, you had Tony Alfaro for 125K, Cerillo for 200K. Um, you know, those aren't top, top players, but the cheap. Um, and then you sold Efrain Alvarez for $2.2 million, which is That's just an unbelievable one, yeah. price when his contract's about to end. It's just, I don't know how you uh, get that kind of money. So to me, Will Koontz has had an incredible transfer window. And when you consider that he was, uh, that, that Galaxy have a transfer ban, this, you know, they couldn't do any inter international transfer business outside of Yoshida and Sharp, who were free agents. It, it limited him so much, yet Galaxy still had one of the best summer transfer windows in the league. It's an unbelievable work from Koontz. And in my opinion, he needs to be named the general manager of LA Galaxy as soon as possible. Yeah, the, the job, I, I, even, I even tell you when, when they signed him, they needed someone like that. And then Will Koontz, um, yeah, we, we weren't sure like what exactly it was, but now we see his capability and how creative Will Koontz was this year and what he had to do. I mean, you got to applaud him, obviously, in, in, in what you can do. And I now, you like what I'm saying, you can only imagine what he will do moving forward next year and with those opportunities with the DP and all these different things, what, what they're going to do next year. Because if you can do this with with the limited sanctions and get this creative, you, you can only imagine what will, what will be happening for, for next year. And, you know, and we'll see. And I, I, think, I think we can throw in that, right? Because, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about Chucky Lozano to LAFC. You know, Galaxy were the ones interested. Will Koontz yeah. was the one going after Chucky Lozano, um, trying to get him, obviously, for the winter because uh, Galaxy couldn't sign him this summer. But he was already working on that deal six months ahead of time, trying to make that the DP signing. That is the level that Will Koontz is going for. So, yes, Galaxy fans should have high expectations um, because Will Koontz has earned those high expectations, in my opinion. No, dude, dude he's a stud. He, what, what he's done. And even when he was at LAFC, yeah. And I'm not surprised. And... 
finally that Chris Klein's gone there, I think there's going to be so many, so many big names and build that foundation properly. Look, it's been it's been a lot, a lot of years for the Galaxy, but I think now you finally have a guy <clears throat> that can help you out and do a lot of different things there. It's um, probably also part of the reason that Galaxy felt comfortable letting go Chris Klein go, not quite on the same level of operations, but probably had something to do with it. Yeah, no, I would agree, but I, I feel like it's kind of weird that you, you didn't realize that before. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> With Chris Clyde, That's right? What I'm yeah. Maybe they maybe they felt like, well, we don't have another guy who's like the, the big time that can help us run this club. Obviously, Klein, uh, Klein was more on the uh, running the club, and, and uh, Kuntz is more on the player personnel side. But still, it, to me, it's like, okay, well, we have this guy who can who can run this club now, and we don't need Klein anymore, basically. Yeah. No. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, but I think a big, big offseason scene is coming for the Galaxy, like really, really big. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll have to see what they get because I Chucky Lozano's obviously off the table now that he signed with PSV. But you know, that, that that's a big thing. Um, yeah, I mean LAFC, they you know they they stay they stay up in the signings, uh, the standing. Excuse me, they stay they stay in second place with forty three points. Like we said, they're going to St. Louis, who's number one. 49 points. That's going to be a good matchup. It's going to be a good matchup. The top two clubs in the MLS and the Western Conference um, going at it. And LAC gets to travel to St. Louis. Two big road matches. Yeah, they're going to get tested here. The final final games of the season. And obviously, we have Campeones Cup the 27th. The next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday for them to win a trophy. I'm like... I, I know it's Campeones Cup. I don't think it's that big of a trophy. I know you, you tend to think you tend to think otherwise. But let's talk about these two games and Campeones Cup. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis is a massive game, right? I mean, if you have, if you want to have any chance of getting that Concacaf Champions Cup berth um, next season, you got to win the West, and the only way to win the West is to beat St. Louis. You don't beat St. Louis, I, I think you're out of the race for winning the West, my opinion. So um, that to me is is as big of a game as LAFC have left. Um, Real Salt Lake is going to be a big game too, following up, um, because they're also right around that top four, top five area. Um, but Campeones Cup is, is the interesting one to me because as you say, it's, it's kind of a, um, money grab trophy in addition, uh, you know, community shield or whatever you want to, uh, equate it to super cup type of type of trophy, but it is still a trophy. And LFC do not have a trophy yet this season after having, uh, you know, two last season, an incredible year, and, and they had high expectations reaching that CCL final, et cetera, et cetera. So while, yes, it may not be quite uh, an MLS Cup or a CCL or, or even a U.S. Open Cup trophy, it is still a trophy. And for LFC, that is a big one. And and a piece of that, too, is that it's against a Liga MX powerhouse, right? One of the biggest clubs in Mexico. And Steve Sherlandolo has, as we've talked about repeatedly on this podcast, has not shown the ability to beat top league Mekis teams. The only league Mekis team he has beaten is Juarez, right? So I think uh, after the embarrassment to the Leon, the fumbling of the lead against Monterey, it, there, there are a couple storylines that lead this to being a bigger game than it might have been ordinarily. Yeah, yeah, we we'll have to see. I guess, it's a, look, it is a trophy that they haven't won. Um, but yeah, it's like a one-off. That's why, look, yeah, if you win it, you win it. If you don't, you don't. But I, you know, obviously, we I'm more in the in tournament tor tournament type of thing setting. But yeah, if they win it, obviously great. If they don't, then obviously there's gonna be there's gonna be those questions about beating a Liga Mekis team and all these different things. But look, it's not gonna be easy, even though it's gonna be a Wednesday game. So yeah, 
and yeah, and they have to finish off this season pretty strong. So yeah, I, I, look, it's a big stretch of games for them um, because they have a game essentially the next two these next two Wednesdays coming up. Um, yeah, and that's not going to be easy, especially you know, <laughs> especially to close out the year and see if they if they can get if they can get first place in the Western Conference. Um, anything else you'd like to add before before we wrap things up? Just touch on Crapo real quick. You know, welcome yeah. back. Um, I, I think it's incredible. 315 days out and it's easy to, you know, just kind of surpass over those 315 days and kind of say, well, you know, he recovered, he did all the work, this and that, but recovering from the injury that he had, where he snapped both of those, uh, bones in his leg, just completely snapped them through. And he's been working and working day in, day out. Um, it, to me, it's, it's something that should be applauded and, It'll be interesting to see, of course, going forward, whether he remains that starter or not, because uh, I think he should. But, you know, it's a big decision for Steve Sharonalo Steve to make, excuse me, as we discussed last week on this podcast. Yeah, to me, I think he's, he stays. I mean, he, he looked good. Obviously, he got scored on twice, but, look, you know, it's a little tropical. But, yeah, shout out to Maxine Kripo and what he did. You know, it's just been a long, long, long year for him to get back. And, you know, it's the, the perfect time LAFC need him going right into playoffs. And I think the remaining of these games of the season is definitely going to help him out for that playoff push and just to get him, to get him in rhythm, get him, you know, in, in, well, I don't want to say game shape because he's not necessarily like running up and down, but just game shape mentally, you know, everything else around, you know, and those different no. things that, that a keeper needs, those reps, you know, those first team reps that he needs. And I think, you know, to close that to me, he, he stays as a starting goalkeeper, number one. But yeah, it's going to be interesting here to finish off the year. Well, with that said, guys, appreciate you guys for hopping on. For Geo, this is Justin. We'll catch you guys next time.